0: gentlemen the following podcast is set for one fall or tv time remaining introducing now from the sovereign nation of Poland, landon making his way to the microphone follow him on twitter at landoz you know him you love him it's landon tone
1: Woo, Yeah, and the crowd goes mild. Uh, Once again, I'm joined by my tag team partner, my co-host, my by-guide best friend, if you will, Will Rab. Rab, how we doing today?
0: Rab Cassidy in the building, man. What's up?
1: (laughs) I like that. Rab Cassidy. All right. Uh, So, things going good for you? It's been a hot minute since we've joined you, the lovely listener, so I'd like to get a little bit of a reset for us going on.
0: Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, You had a little... Uh, vacay to an undisclosed uh location with a tiki bar, because uh, we all need that every now and again. And so, uh, thanks to the you know uh our, our good friends at the undisclosed location who hosted us, and we had good timing. I'll just leave it at that because <laughs> stuff is starting to shut back down. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. otherwise, we're we're doing good. It has been a minute, but I think it's kind of been an a, a, appropriate. Just like you know, AEW doesn't rush into uh, having events, uh, network specials for the sake of having network specials or pay per views. Uh, we've uh, spaced it out a little bit and let everything build up to Fighter Fest, and we uh, got plenty to talk about now instead of having to, uh, you know, uh, make chicken salad out of uh, chicken crap. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you talked
1: about the timing and about how uh, stuff is starting to uh, shut back down and we might be heading back into the second wave or the second spike of the first wave. And I know here on Nearfall Radio, we like to run away and and hide in our pretend land of dudes in stretchy pants fighting each other. But sometimes the real world does rear its ugly head into our little bubble, so to speak. And unfortunately, at the top of the show, we are going to touch on a couple of those issues, specifically when it comes to things possibly shutting down. It came out this week that WWE uh, talent, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes, they've had several positive tests for coronavirus, which has kind of sh- uh, shown a light on WWE's testing policy or in some cases, lack of testing policy. Uh, producer Jamie Noble was the latest one to admit on social media that he does have COVID-19. He joins uh, Renee Young, who is John Moxley's uh, wife, uh, Kayla Braxton, and another producer and former NWA champion, Adam Pearce. Those are just four of the names that have confirmed on social that they have the coronavirus. But PW Insider is reporting that the number of positive results had increased this week, with Sports-Kedy is saying there's now more than 30 positive tests in the WWE. And this comes after WWE on Raw a couple weeks ago had friends and family of talent be in the crowd, so to speak, so that they do have a crowd to play off of. And it since came out then that they weren't testing everybody every day. So uh, there's no good way to handle this situation there's no perfect way excuse me to handle this situation but when you compare with, with the way wwe is doing it to aew where everybody gets tested when they show up for taping I, rab like is, is a fan of wrestling it makes me feel gross to support the wwe at this juncture when they when not only are they putting their talent at risk it seems like they're being negligent at best or dangerously negligent at worst when it comes to their performers health
0: it's really frustrating. Uh, if you watched uh, BTE a couple weeks ago, which uh, the Dawes and I—that's uh, can't miss uh, programming—you uh, saw the the young bucks talk about what the different color wristbands that you mm-hmm. see on the performers and the talent, and you know anybody could come put two and two together what was going on because you would see uh, J.R. Excalibur or somebody uh, with a wristband, and say, "Okay, that makes sense." They've uh, been tested or they're in this color means this thing. They're in this sort of group. We need to keep them here or there or whatever. And AEW has been very stringent, and Tony Khan's talked about it several times on the Unrestricted podcast, which, you know, usually I wouldn't tell you to go listen to another podcast, but you should <laughs> listen to that one. Uh, it's really good. Um, the details with, with COVID, and he was very clear going back to March. If you don't feel uh, comfortable being here, uh, you can stay home. And look, that was legitimate because they took the Young Bucks and uh, Hangman Adam Page and, and MJF, among others, off of television for weeks, darn near what, two months? Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen in the WWE. And it may have been communicated that, you know, this is voluntary, but it's voluntary in the sense of. Uh, a college football team or an NFL team saying, "Hey, we're having voluntary uh, workouts," <laughs> but you know, wink, wink, mm-hmm. Read between the thing. Lines. Like I, that's just the vibe I got from the WWE. Like they have so much surplus talent that if they just got tired of working with you, Vince would just punt you. And well, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. It, it's really disappointing. That they didn't have better testing. That they didn't think, you know what, we should uh, do a we should do a screening on everybody every time they come in uh, for a taping. And once we kind of create that bubble, we create that bubble, and you don't have to have a COVID test every day, uh, but you need you need regular testing. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the graphic, Dawes, but there was a very extensive graphic that got put out that summarized the Major League Baseball uh, testing plan. And it's very detailed on what they're going to do, and, and all these other sports leagues are going to be very detailed in what they're going to have to do. Uh, but the idea that you're just not going to pre-screen people, you're just going to wait until somebody has symptoms, uh, and we had, we saw that uh, what a couple months back with the Miz, that's going to lead to trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, when all of this started, WWE did tell their talent, you can stay home and it won't affect your career. But then we see stories of Roman Reigns, who WWE, for the longest time, just pretended he did not exist in their lead-up to WrestleMania 36. And in the immediate aftermath of said event, he was their biggest star in the company. And then uh, following the examples of Sami Zayn, who had his Intercontinental title stripped off of him. Now, I understand you have a television product to put on, but... But at the same time, uh, uh, in NXT, the current uh, cruiserweight champion is stuck overseas. So they did an interim cruiserweight champion tournament, where in Sami Zayn's case, in the Intercontinental Championship, that is just straight up moved on, and it's now around the waist of AJ Styles. So it'll be interesting to see just what his career does
0: look like when he does come back. But, uh, you know, and as far as that goes real quick, because I know we got a lot, so I don't want to tie this down. That's just... That's just pathetic because I mean, look, literally the tag cha- half the ta- half of the tag champs in AEW was off TV for months because he has a young child that he and, and a family that he was concerned about and he didn't feel like he needed to put he needed to expose them once AEW opened back up. Uh, the The literal EVPs of the company uh, stayed home in California uh, for, for two months, and, and so there, there's no need to have to take belts off of people. Uh, for something like this, but uh, plenty of other stuff we need to get into. So I'm not going to go on a, a 30 minute diatribe against <laughs> the McMahon family and their crappy values.
1: I appreciate that because that would uh, that would do, uh, require some more editing work on my behalf. So,
0: but and, uh, unfortunately, the other uh, big story before we get into the fighter fest and the good side of things in wrestling right now, the uh, uh, Speak Out uh, hashtag, which it, it's one of those. Uh, double-edged sword things. You're 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 glad that people have found a space and a time in society where they feel comfortable speaking about things, but then you feel bad that they have to have experienced them and, and spoke out about them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it. Uh, It seemed like it was just one after another after another. Big names both in WWE, AEW, and the world of independence wrestling have been accused so far of some pretty vile stuff. Uh, Straight up sexual assault and rape in some cases to misogyny and other aspects. Uh, It takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there on social media and and talk about openly what some of these females went through. So, uh, bravo. I, and I'll echo what Rab said. I hate that you had to go through these experiences. You would think it would be wouldn't be hard to be decent, but we see instance after instance after instance when it comes to the hashtag speaking out. Apparently I I don't know, Rab, I'm kind of at a loss of words because it's it's disappointing and disgusting.
0: It it really is disappointing and disgusting. And unfortunately, I, I think. Uh, wrestling and, and maybe athletics uh, in general, a little bit, uh, unfortunately, are one of those last bastions of uh, toxic uh, masculinity. And I think there's a difference between, you know, uh, being a, a strong, assertive person and it being toxic. And I, I say toxic masculinity, but it wasn't all dudes uh, who were being. Uh, abusive, but I, I think that that general idea sums it up. And unfortunately, I I, I think some people take their persona uh, on the air, where it, it's cool to maybe kind of be a little bit of a jerk or an asshole because you're playing a character, and so everybody's in on it. It's it's a rib, you know, it, it's a gimmick, and, and that's bleeding. Uh, backstage, and unfortunately with kind of the carny nature of wrestling uh, with all these disparate wrestling uh, promotions and, and guys can run around and, and do whatever on the indies and there's really no accountability because there's not good communication, period. Uh, this stuff kind of festers, and it's a place for people who are looking to take advantage to take advantage because there's no uh, re- responsibility. Uh, if fortunately, uh, though, we do have... Uh, good people in the world uh, like the Cons and, and Tony Khan stepped up uh, Dods very quickly and uh, a couple of people who have been accused uh, of things in, in the AEW uh, universe are, uh, they haven't been future endeavored uh, but they're taking a pause uh, to work on themselves and, and think about what they've done.
1: Yeah, and I do want to say on the WWE side of it, they have future endeavored. Uh, I think as of last night, it's the number is now up to three people that have been let go from the WWE due to these accusations. So it does seem like uh, these are being taken seriously as they should. And in the world of independence wrestle, or independent wrestling, some of those people have pretty much been put in the bye-bye machine and they will never be spoken of again. So people are taking these accusations very seriously, again, as they should. And once again, like, be decent to each other. It shouldn't be hard to be decent to each other, but...
0: No, I mean, it's it's simple. Look, uh, these, are, these are characters. Uh, you know, MJF's a character. He's a... His persona is to be a dick, but... I assume he doesn't go around his daily life actually being a dick to people because he thinks he needs to be kayfabe uh twenty four seven. He just kinda, you know, turns that on and off when he when he needs to. Uh and that's just one example and he I don't think he was accused of anything, but I'm just making an example and you know, even the people who take their characters very seriously, they're not actually dicks in real life, uh, usually. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's J- how yeah. we that, that's what we should be striving to do. You're you're playing a camera, you're playing a character when the red light's on, when it you know, when it, it goes back off, uh, be a decent human.
1: Yeah, and we do want to clarify, MJF has not, repeat, has not been accused of anything.
0: No, I'm just using so, him as an example exactly. because he has yeah. such that caustic personality and he really, you know, he's usually, when he's seen in public, it, is always in character and, and keeps up kayfabe, but, like, people, you know, know how to be decent. It, it doesn't have to extend in their actual dealings with people so yeah good clarification there
1: yeah exactly so uh, we've
0: talked about the heavy stuff let's now move on to the
1: fun stuff and that is dude as i said earlier dudes in stretchy pants fighting each other in the ring and we have two count them two nights of pay-per-view quality matches being brought to us by aew because they can't have fighter fest like they wanted to due to that first heavy thing we talked about earlier so in this episode, we're going to break down night one, which is going to be airing July 1st, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TNT. We're going to be breaking down night one. And in a future episode, the next episode will break down night two. So, Rab, let's go ahead and dive into this card because this is 11 matches that AEW is going to be presenting to us spread out over two weeks. And top to bottom, I think this is a
0: really, really strong card. It is, and I, I've wore, I, now that I've seen the card that's built out, Um, I'm excited again. I kind of thought it was interesting that you just kind of rebrand Dynamite uh, for two weeks, but you know that's part of making chicken salad out of you know Mm -hmm, exactly chicken scratch type (laughs) uh, thing. And we couldn't even if I wanted to. uh, There's no way I'm watching 11 matches on BR Live or a TNT you know Saturday Night Special, which I do think that hey. I should send that idea. That's what they should call it. That should be trademarked. <laughs> um, I should send that to AEW Saturday Night Special. Um, you would have to break it up anyway. It would have to be like a Wrestle Kingdom, like they do in, in the Tokyo Dome over in, in New Japan. But uh, I, I'm really excited uh, for this card. I mean, we have four world championship matches, and uh, we'll get more into the the non uh, championship matches uh, on the next episode, uh, which is going to drop after Night One of Fighter Fest. Uh, but even the the non-title matches are really, really exciting. They've built good storylines, and it's more than hey, we're just pairing these guys together uh, at random like you might do on a Dynamite when you're trying to establish a rivalry. Th- this is as close to a Clash of the Champions. Or old school Saturday night main event where you would get the, the free super cards on TV that we've had in wrestling probably since they stopped doing Clash. Because when they brought back Saturday night main event uh, in the early 2000s, I don't think it was nearly as good as it was in its, its heyday in the, in the 80s.
1: No. And there's a reason it went away after just a couple returns. Uh, and, th- and that was, well, I was going to say it was the height of, uh, wrestling's popularity, but, uh, it had started to wane kind of when uh, Saturday night men event made a comeback, but, uh, Tony Khan, uh, I know we said we're not going to plug other podcasts, but on his appearance on AEW un- uh, unscripted, uh, Tony Khan mentioned that this is going to be the first time all four of their championships are going to be defended on TNT, uh, dynamite. So, uh, Yes, you have to squish both nights together, but over uh, under this umbrella of Fighter Fest, this is going to be the first time all championships have been defended in a non-BR live, non-pay-per-view type event. So this is exciting. Uh, let's start with the uh, tag team match between Private Party with Matt Hardy. Hardy Party. Yeah, the Hardy Party. I was trying to think <laughs> what they're calling themselves. Taking on Santana and Ortiz of the Inner Circle and they're known as Proud and Powerful as well. Rab, what are your thoughts on this uh, tag team matchup
0: and who do you got i'm excited about this one i love what they're doing with the broken matt character and totally embracing that he can be multiple personalities that he's like this vessel so to speak and you do have the broken matt character with damascus and you also just kind of have regular matt because it's different personalities and the different versions i guess i should say it's a proper terminology we'll just uh, show up and so the, the unbreakable old school I guess as close as you can get to the, saying Hardy Boys without saying Hardy Boys because you know <laughs> uh, lawyers uh, the OG the one that is, Matt says the one that Jr. signed um, kind of taking private party under his wing and it's kind of an extension of what he's doing with the elite and being anti-inner circle uh, I really like that uh, and I think this is a good matchup I, I think we lose sight sometimes because we're so used to them being Jericho's henchmen, uh, his thugs, uh, so to speak, that do the dirty work. Uh, that we forget how good of a team uh, Proud and Powerful are. They were. I, I didn't realize until the other day that they were in uh, Impact as a part of LAX. Yes. And so they have a lot of chemistry. Great tag team. I do have uh private party. Uh, going over here. I-, I think they'll get some assistance from Matt, and I think that helps to continue to stoke the fires between uh, the Elite Universe and the Inner Circle Universe. And helps to build a private party and move them up into the rankings uh, because I do think we're going to, uh, and we'll talk about this more because it's one of the main events, we're going to have some Uh, new blood injected into the top of the tag uh, lineup, in my opinion, here soon.
1: And I do think it's interesting talking on Matt Hardy. He's kind of come full circle because I view him as the Michael P.S. Hayes role when he took Matt and Jeff, the Hardy boys, under Mm -hmm. his wings and kind of put them on the path that they're currently on. So I think it's interesting Matt's come full circle in that aspect. I, too, am going to take private party here. Nothing against Santana and Ortiz, but... like you mentioned, they're such a strong tag team. They can catch an L and still be that dominant, established team. The,
0: the, and I'm sorry to have cut you off, but just to interject on that, that point there, they're always going to be in a strong position because of their relationship with the rest of the inner circle too. Exactly. So. And I do think uh,
1: Matt Hardy is going to end up being the difference here. It is curious. Uh, one of the names that's been taken off of TV because he was uh, – part of the hashtag speaking mm-hmm. out stuff is Sammy Guevara or Sammy Guevara. And uh I had to imagine that Sammy Guevara would have played some sort of role in this matchup, being the third for Santana and Ortiz mm-hmm. on the outside to counter Matt Hardy, but Clearly that's not going to happen because he's been taken off of TV uh, in, suspended indefinitely. Uh, so we'll see whenever he comes back. But I am going to take private party here. Uh, they're a fun team. They're still a little green, but at the same time, when they get rolling in the ring, you can't take your eyes off of them.
0: And- no, they're and they're they're awesome. I'll be interested to see. I don't know because I guess it depends what order they put the matches. Uh you could have Jake Hager kind of third. Uh, Santana and Ortiz but we also have to remember Jericho's on commentary so number one we're blessed because Jericho's going to be doing commentary uh, for Fighter Fest I think maybe both nights uh, he's involved at least up until his match was Orange Cassie I know week one he's going to be on the stick and so uh, I would not be surprised if Jericho tries uh, to interfere but I think that's where Matt Hardy comes uh, into play uh, and and has a, a role in the uh, finish. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Uh, I completely forgot about uh, Jericho being on the call, so in theory, he could be that third person that interjects himself in the ma- in the match on behalf of Santana and Ortiz, but I'm excited to see what these two teams are going to do. Both are great in the ring, but I think Private Party is going to pick up the victory mm. here because, I, in, like I said earlier, Santana and Ortiz can catch an L, though eventually, I do want to see them go on a tear through the tag team division. Uh, maybe, maybe we can see... Uh the inner circle try and hold all the straps. That would that, that could be a fun storyline, mm-hmm. but uh, that mm-hmm. is for a different time. Next up we have another tag team match, one put together on the most recent edition of TNT Dynamite, uh, kind of a fallout from one hell of a hoss lumberjack match between Luchasaurus and Wardlow. It's going to be Jungle Express, the team of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, with Marco Stun on the outside if he comes back into orbit after Wardlow launched him into space this past week, good taking Lord. on MJF and Wardlow.
0: Rab, who you got and why? First of all, I think they've done a good job uh, establishing this feud with Jurassic Express and Luchasaurus going back to they they built some heat between MJF and Jungle Boy for the Double or Nothing match Man, that and match then great. they were involved, uh, MJF uh, Jurassic Express, Orange Cassidy as well, uh, involved in that battle royal that they had for the first TNT uh, title match and uh, Jungle Boy uh, got one over on uh, MJF and, and they just haven't liked each other uh since then, and so uh, this is a uh, bubbling rivalry that I'm excited about uh, that I don't think uh, is going to end quite yet. I'm actually going to go uh, with the heels uh, here in MJF and Wardlow. Uh, the only way I think Jurassic Express gets the W is MJF is on the outside and, and Wardlow Uh, takes the pin because they've really been building up that fact that if you want to get technical about it, uh, MJF has never lost a match. He was on a team Mm -hmm. uh, in a four-way match and he did not, he was not on his back for the three count. I think they want to preserve that. Um, The fans are going to like Jurassic Express regardless of what the win-loss record is and so I I think maybe to keep this rivalry going, uh, the heels might get over here, but I also could see it going the other way and uh, Jungle Boy pulls a quick one, but I don't think uh, MJF takes the pin here. I think when this rivalry burns off is when uh, Jack Perry finally gets uh, his pound of flesh and that's when he gets the pin on MJF. If you're going to build up that type of number, it's just like talking about the Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania. It kind of needs to be a reason that you – uh, put that blemish on the record, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with MJF and Wardlow, much for the same reasons you just laid out there. Jungle Express is over, so it, I don't think taking the L is going to hurt them here. But at the same time, MJF and Wardlow are also crazy over. And again, I want to go back to that uh, lumberjack match that Wardlow and Luchasaurus had on Dynamite. That thing was so much fun. Now, granted, Maybe the Lumberjacks didn't really understand their role in the match because... No, clearly they didn't. No, no, because, I mean, like, if somebody goes to the outside, you're supposed to put their ass back in the ring, and Wardlow and Luchasaurus fought all over Daly's place, which, I mean, it
0: totally worked out. But... but (laughs) You say that. Are you telling either one of those dudes to get back in the ring? I mean, not one's me a ki- personally. One's a killing no. machine, and the other <laughs> is a dinosaur with a master's degree.
1: <laughs> well, when you lay it out like that, but, uh, me personally, I'm not telling either of them to do anything. No, nope. but I'm not signed to AEW, and I wasn't put out there to be a lumberjack. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> maybe they maybe they didn't have maybe they didn't have a choice. See, the problem is they needed Pineapple Pete to be out there lumberjacking because he don't give an f. <laughs> Yeah, Pineapple Pete would
1: really put them in their place. And once again, uh, if you've seen Marco Stunt orbiting Earth, please let AEW know uh, because he is going to have a role in this match. And uh, quite frankly, his parents are worried. He was the only one lumberjacking. (laughs) No, that's not true. The best friends definitely dressed up for the role. They were dressed as literal lumberjacks. So, you know. (laughs) Now, their lumberjacking skills left something to be desired, but they definitely dressed for the role. They tried, and
0: that's what's important. (laughs) Just ask Orange.
1: Exactly. All you got to do is try. But I think this is going to be a really fun match. I am excited to see more of MJF and Jungle Boy square off because they put on just one hell of a match the last time they were in the ring one-on-one with each other. And plus, I was blown away with Wardlow and Jungle or uh, and Luciousaurus in their performance in that lumberjack match, and I like how they've used Wardlow so far. It whenever he's in the ring, it feels like a special thing.
0: Yes, and I am waiting. Uh, I am waiting for him to have enough of MJF. MJF's check to bounce or something because that's going to be interesting down the line. But I love the feud between MJF and Wardlow and then Jurassic Express because it is a solid mid-card feud that you are actually entertained by. It's not filler. There's history. There's a story being told. And eventually it is going to elevate MJF uh, and Jungle Boy uh, to the top of the card. And also, I think, you know, put Wardlow and Luchasaurus uh, in in a good place to make a push for some sort of uh, hardware uh, at some point. So looking forward to that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Next up is going to be our first of four championship matches. It's going to be the champion Hikaru Shida defending her AEW Women's World Championship against the bad girl Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian. Now, we'll talk about... uh, a couple other performers that I think made the most of their role in the, uh, what's it called? Nightmare factory. Uh, those, uh, tapings that they did when Corona first started shutting everything down. Penelope Ford made the most of the opportunities she was, uh, presented with. And in my opinion, has become one of the top stars in that women's division. And quite frankly, a kind of short time, of course, Sheeta has been kicking ass ever since she came into AEW, uh, I don't think it's time to take the belt off of Sheeta just yet, but I think she's going to get all she wants from Penelope Ford and what's going to be a fun matchup.
0: Absolutely. If you were a fan of indie wrestling, you knew that Penelope Ford uh, could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why she was brought into AEW. That was That's what's so brilliant about this company, why it works so well. There were, was plenty of talented people who you didn't know about. Or you knew about, but you hadn't seen all that much at the top of the card. Uh, But, you know, her role at the beginning was to be Kip Sabian's uh, valet. Actually, at first it was Joey Janela's valet. Yeah, she came in with the bad boy. And she she turned on him. Uh, But she showed off her wrestling skills. And we knew she had some moves because she would insert herself in all of Kip and Joey's matches. Uh, but she's absolutely taken the ball and run with it, and that's what you you know. It, it's that old cliche that opportunity or, or luck is when uh, preparation meets opportunity. It's really true. Sometimes the best ability is is availability and being available and being able to uh, have the skills to take advantage of the opportunity that comes. Because uh, you know AEW would love uh, to be able to have a Sheeta. Uh, Britt Baker match right now they'd love to have another Sheeta and Statlander match uh, right now but those uh, gals unfortunately are are on the shelf and hopefully they they, they heal up sooner uh, rather than later Uh, so this uh, opportunity kind of fell in Penelope's lap but she's absolutely earned it because it's not like you know at the last minute, hey, we got to have somebody sub in because we need another title match. She's she's had some really good matches recently, whether it's been tag matches, uh, singles matches. They've really built her up well since March and the uh, Rona shutdown.
1: Yeah, and I mean, she was thrust into a pay-per-view match because I believe she took the spot of Britt Baker uh, to take on Chris Statlander. And yep. I mean... She's clearly earned the spot that she's in right now. I'm excited to see what these two do in the ring, but I I don't think it's time to take uh, the strap off of Sheeta because Sheeta,
0: quite frankly, kicks ass. Absolutely, she kicks ass. They, her her get her gimmick's great. It's fun to see what little cosplay thing she's gonna show up <laughs> in. She she works stiff and she she she's so good. it it it's also nice to see. And I think the, the thing they've done best is that kind of by necessity and having limited uh, females on the roster that they're ready to put in, quote-unquote, the main event position in the women's division, they've just kind of simplified things. And so it was real simple. Sheeta kicked everybody's ass when they were in Georgia, and so she got a title shot, took advantage of it. kind of through some attrition Penelope Ford's gotten an opportunity to work against some high level competition pick up a couple wins and so they're not telling this like intricate story like they were trying to do with whatever uh, the hell Brandy was trying to do with Kong whatever Mm. that crap was (laughs) Uh, they're not telling intricate stories but they're telling a good story and kind of just going off of the sports-based background of hey, some people got hurt, you got an opportunity, won a, won a couple matches, here's a title shot. And there's some history because these gals have worked each other recently, and sometimes simple's better than anything else.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I'm looking forward to that match. Real quick, I do want to talk about another new addition to the women's division in AEW. Mm. Freaking Abaddon. I don't know what the hell yes. she is, but I love everything about
0: her. That was That was so good. Uh, her debut uh and and now now that I try to oh Anna J I was just about to Or Emma J play. or something something an- J. it's yeah. it's a- it's Anna J she worked a couple matches in Atlanta uh she uh, she was a, a an indie kid that I think they they brought up and then and then got her on the roster uh and 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 did some enhancement stuff uh in in Georgia and they're building her up and she's got this star of the show gimmick and they give her the 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 vignette talking about her background, and then this Abad- like you said, Abaddon, thing uh, <laughs> creature uh, shows up, and uh, the it's it's great because usually you kind of know when they build somebody up for that big debut match, your first ma- your first TV match, they're gonna like throw you an easy an easy dub because mm-hmm. they're trying to put you over. It was the it was a great swerve. Abaddon comes out and everybody's like, "What the hell is this thing?" Uh, and she gets the wind and then. Possibly, we have a female in the Dark Order now. so Yeah, knows? like that whole segment was so great—the way they, it, because you definitely
1: thought Emma J or Anna J or or, or Hooba J, whatever her name is, was was going to pick up the victory because she got that video package talking about how you know all she needs is, is that opportunity, that shot, and she's going to uh, kick down the door even th- if if there's a crack in it—and then out comes abaddon and i know jim ross has got some crap in the past for the way he treats chris Statlander and her gimmick uh but he sold the hell out of abaddon when she comes crawling out of the tunnel so like top to bottom that was fantastic and then like you mentioned we might f- we might have a female presence in the dark order now so i loved that segment and, and i promise we'll stop plugging aew unscripted but tony khan said that was kenny omega's idea
0: yeah, it, it, Kenny has worked very hard on the women's division, and you know, look. Sometimes you're gonna have a you're gonna have an idea. We're gonna have ideas. We talk about ideas for the podcast or things we want to do at our day jobs, and it seems like a really good idea, and then you go execute it, and you realize it was bad. It's no different than you think you have a really good play drawn up for a, a ball game, uh, and it just doesn't work. You gotta go back to the drawing board, uh, but. Uh, the women's division is heading in a good direction, mm-hmm. uh, even if they've just kind of simplified things. And kind of, again, out of necessity, uh, often is really good to to get you refocused. And you just have to keep it simple because you don't have a lot of uh, bodies uh, to work with. I almost think at, at the launch of AEW, they almost had almost had too many women because the women were getting a segment or two. And it, it wasn't consistent. Uh, and then this, the whole nightmare uh, Ooh, collective yeah. thing was just total shit. Dude. Woof. So, uh, <laughs> that's going in a good direction. And let's also not forget, it, it, one of the things uh, that's difficult in AEW is there's a lot of uh, Asian talent uh, from overseas because of Kenny's connections uh, to New Japan. Uh, and there's a big language barrier that they're still working through as some of those gals are sharpening up uh, their English skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, just so, a heads up, in the
1: future, this is going to be an Abaddon podcast. But that is, like I said, in the future.
0: Shida get back to that match, though. Official prediction: Sheeta gets the dub.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're, bu- man, we're uh, we're in agreement on the card 100 percent so far. We'll see if that changes. So, I, I'd
0: like to apologize to Hikaru Sheeta. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to apologize to MJF and Wardlow. Fuck them kids. Uh, and private party on your L's uh, coming up Wednesday night uh, <laughs> on uh, Night One of Fighter Kid, Fighter Fest.
1: Now we're not full blown jinx territory just yet. Give us a couple more prediction uh, episodes, and we might have to revisit that statement on my part. Uh, but we'll see if our our uh, agreeing opinions differ here when we have the. AEW TNT Championship being defended by the champion Cody, not Rhodes, with Arn Anderson on the outside taking on Jake
0: Hager. Rab, what are your thoughts on this match? Oh, man, this excites me because, number one, I like the two performers. You know you're going to get good old-school Southern uh, NWA 605 Turner Time Mid-Atlantic Championship (laughs) Wrestling Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, beat the crap out of each other uh, wrestling uh, with Cody and Jake is the perfect foil for that because he's this big mean dude and like it's legit like he's a shoot fighter he's he's a former Bellator or he's in Bellator um, and I don't know if he, he's had matches I don't remember if he's had a belt or not
1: yet um, don't believe so he I, has I, won in de, er, uh, MMA hardware just yet
0: That's that's in his future when the COVID uh, clears up. He's going to be an MMA world champion. Uh, He is an NCAA world champ. He's an NCAA champ uh, in amateur wrestling. So I'm excited for this. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Cody uh, Archer inaugural title match. In that, the great thing about this is it's very conceivable that it could go either way. I do like the open challenge. Uh, that Cody has been doing with the TV title because that's really what the TNT belt is. is, it is a TV title, and sh- so it should be defended on television regularly. And, look, I'm not saying I didn't believe that. It's not believable that Jungle Boy didn't have the skill or Mark Quinn doesn't have the skill or who was it? Uh, the uh, oh, uh, the kid from New Orleans. Joey. Uh, Ricky something feel so I'm gonna look at I, I got it I got it here in a second uh Ricky Sparks click, wasn't it Ricky Ricky Sparks um which I'm glad he he's gotten that opportunity uh, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do because they've signed him in AEW and, and and he had a little bit of work uh and briefly had a title uh in NWA so in plus you know I'm just gonna be a stand for him because he, he's a Bayou kid um <laughs>
1: Ricky Starks, by the way, not Ricky Sparks. Starks. <laughs> Ricky
0: Starks. There it only took us seven tries, but by God, we got there, ladies and gentlemen. We we we, we get it right eventually. <laughs> A very low bar here on on Nearfall Radio, but I could honestly, not that it wasn't conceivable. I know all those guys have the athletic prowess, but why were you going to take the belt off of Cody uh, so quick? Um, my gut tells me they're going to keep the belt with Cody, but if 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 Jake Hager walked out with that strap. And they want to kind of build up Jake a little bit. I could see that as well. So it excites me because, again, I could have seen either direction uh, for Lance or or Cody being the inaugural uh, champ. So officially, I'm going to go with Cody Rhodes, but I would not be surprised at all. Uh, I think it's not most likely. uh, The most likely title to change hands is the tag championship, but I would not be surprised at all if Jake uh, takes that belt uh, from Cody uh, on Wednesday. I um, not if it was actually Sean Spears who planted the idea or it was Tony Shivani talking about it. But there's an interview, uh, again, on Unrestricted that Schiavone uh, and Aubrey did with Spears talking about one of the – in his mind, when there's a heel who has that TV title and you make them defend it every week and the games that the heel comes up with to get out of title defenses, um, is, is just good booking.
1: And it's entertaining television, but too. I
0: do think it's kind of early in Cody's run to, to take the belt off of him as well.
1: I'm picking Cody. I too, am going to pick Cody and I'm going to differ with you. I, I really don't see a possibility of Jake Hager being the one to take the title off of Cody because I, I don't know. Every time Cody has cut a promo ever since winning the TNT Championship. I just keep thinking, homeboy's turning heel. I mean, even this past week when they were doing the press conference leading up to this match with Jake Hager, he talked about how he's into professional wrestling, not cosplay wrestling, which, I mean, that's kind of taking some shots at his elite brethren in the Young Bucks in Kenny Omega, which, I mean, a couple weeks ago, Cody Rose openly questioned, am I even still part of the elite? So... I think whenever Cody gets the strap taken off of him, we're going to see that be the catalyst for him to turn and snap and be that heel that he's been teasing at very slowly, very, very nicely, uh, by the way. So I don't think Cody gets the strap taken off of him in this instance. And I'll be honest, before this most recent episode of Dynamite, I really wasn't feeling this matchup between him and Hager. But coming out of that press conference... For whatever reason, I'm now more on board with it than I was, though I do think it's interesting. This is another instance of Cody getting all the fun toys to play with, so to speak. His match and his program is the one that gets the press conference, just like his match with, I think it was Jericho, that was the one that got the weigh-in. I think it's interesting that Cody keeps getting to be the one to play with these new toys first, while the rest of the roster kind of doesn't.
0: Well, I I think too in in some of the it, some of that was the 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 Cody Jericho match was the contract signing. Uh, Moxley had to weigh in. Okay, all uh, right, yeah, but, sorry, you know, my it, mistake. Same same difference is a prop to further the storyline. Uh, I think with some of that, sometimes you you need you you need something to 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 build up the feud, right? So he said, well, let's just stage a press conference, right? Like we didn't need a press conference for uh, Moxley and cage. Cause cage put John Moxley through a damn car. Uh, <laughs> but that's another podcast. But also, Hey, look, it's, it's Connor kind of Cody's company. Like <laughs> he's not the only EVP, but like he, uh, the bucks are very involved. Kenny's obviously very involved and he's doing a lot of work with the women's division. That's his pet project. But, Ever since this idea's come about, I've gotten the sense, and I guess it's the lineage with his family, that like Cody's the man of like those EVPs that's like really driving stuff. And then I think it's kind of like the hierarchy is like Cody, and then Nick and Matt, and then Kenny's working with the women, Uh, although they all really come up with cool ideas. But it it makes sense that like Cody's kind of handpicking stuff for him, because he's you know he's dusty's kid
1: i mean yeah and and he is kind of uh this is kind of his company though going back to that promo i guess about a month ago that just killed me he's like i wasn't the first name that tony Khan called i wasn't even the second or the third i was the f-. it's like dude shut up shut up you're 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 an EVP you run this damn boat shut up with that stuff
0: <laughs> how do how do you how do you know that tony didn't call uh nick jackson first i don't saying. know i just feel like like with what we've seen with how this has played out like like i I, I mean i guess what they want to do with the press <laughs> I, I guess what they're wanting to do is build this up a little bit more than an open challenge match and that's why they kind of pulled that tool out of the tool chest but the great thing about that tnt championship is we know anybody can challenge anytime so you kind of don't have to build stuff up mm-hmm. that is true and i did love in the press
1: conference when they uh Well, the the quote-unquote journalists that asked questions identified themselves
0: from Pro Wrestling Insiders. Like, yeah, that's some old-school stuff right there. (laughs) But I I think it's more likely than not that Cody keeps the belt here. I guess all I'm saying is I'm excited by this because I know the physical specimen that Jake Hager is. So it might not be his time, but I know he has the skills in the ring. And if you said he was going to hold the TNT Championship because I've seen his work in WWE and elsewhere – uh, it's very it, – it's not like a stretch that he deserves to – it's not a stretch for him to deserve a championship is, is all I'm saying. But I do think Cody stays here. And I'm all about me some heel Cody Rhodes. Yes. I, 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 can, I, can, I can do me that right now uh, because every time he comes on TV, you know how you know it's time for him to turn heel. Uh, my wife thinks he's kind of a douche. <laughs> and she's not a wrestling fan, so she doesn't know – that he's established as a baby face right now. She's like, he just looks like a cocky douche. Yeah, the blonde
1: hair isn't really helping, if we're being honest.
0: <laughs> and uh, I mean... The tattoo as
1: well. Oh, man. And now they're
0: selling temporary Nightmare Family tattoos so you can have a shitty tattoo on your (laughs) neck, too?
1: Maybe this is their long roundabout way of letting us know this is a temporary tattoo and Cody didn't make a horrible, horrible real-life decision. (laughs) No, the boat's already sailed on that
0: one. Yeah, no, that's a a real tattoo, and that's unfortunate. Oof. Um, (laughs) Oof. Dope. You're the executive vice president of a, a a damn company don't put that on your neck put that somewhere else put
1: that literally anywhere else except your neck or your face don't put it there either but yeah uh
0: the state of your ink Cody uh but fun. I am still a bi- <laughs> I, I am still a big Cody Rhodes fan I think he's awesome I think I think what he's done in wrestling is awesome but Brandy should have smacked him yeah Brandy should have put
1: the foot down and be like nope we're not doing that. We are not doing
0: that. <laughs> Me and Pharaoh are leaving if you get that tattoo.
1: <laughs> yeah, not a, not a great tattoo, but uh, I, too, am a Cody Rhodes fan. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll pick up the victory here. And then, finally, our main event on night one. It is going to be for the AEW World Tag Team Championships with Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page defending against Chuck Taylor and Trent, otherwise known as the Best Friends Rab. Who you got and Why?
0: I've been on this boat for a long time, Dawes. You know this. The best friends are going to be the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. And look, this is a no-lose situation for me because Adam Page is my uh, uh, horse-riding, cowboy-boot-wearing, beer-drinking spirit animal. (laughs) And so I've, I have loved the Page omega uh, partnership from the start. And I don't think this is necessarily the match, again, where there's another crack in the armor of the elite. I just think the best friends get the job done clean uh, in the middle, and uh, they've been one of the hottest tag teams again. They were one of those groups. You know, when they first showed up, I'm like, what's going on with these dudes? And then as you started to warm up to the Orange Cassidy gimmick, you warm up to the best friends. They really got a rocket ship on their ass, though, in Georgia uh, at the Nightmare Factory mm-hmm. because they were, other than probably Cody, because uh, he went to the finals of the—Cody t- and Archer, because they went to the finals of the TNT uh, tournament. Uh, the, Out there are very few people who work more than the best friends uh, in that— uh, Time frame, and so they've taken the ball and, and ran with it, and, and been rewarded uh, for their availability, and they deserve to have the tag belts. And I think it's gonna, I think it's time for a change. uh Just like it was, it was a little bit of a surprise, but it, you know, it was a good timing to put the belts on Hangman and, and Omega back at the cruise. It's time for uh, some new tag champs, so we can kind of explore some new things. Uh, with the Elite.
1: I am a massive best friend's fan. Uh, There's a reason we use their song uh, for the intro of our podcast, not just because it's a kick-ass song, but because I am a big proponent of The Best Friends. When I was talking about Penelope Ford earlier saying how she was one of those people that took the opportunities presented to her at the Nightmare uh, Factory tapings and made the most of them, I said there's some other people that I think did more so than her and that is Chuck Taylor and Trent of The Best Friends. Like you said, they were presented with uh, opportunities opportunities down there during those tapings and they made the best of them they looked like a million bucks they made everybody that they were in the ring with look like a million bucks and they've been on a tear for a while and I would love to see them get the tag straps here but for whatever reason I think Hangman and Omega hang on to the titles I honestly think they're going to hold on to the titles until they run into FTR but that's just me but I could very easily see uh, the I could very easily see it play out where Chuck and Trent do get the tag straps because that would be a really feel-good moment uh, that uh, AEW could produce because these guys have been busting their ass over the last few months to raise themselves to where they are now. And there's a lot of people in the tag division they could bounce off of and feud with, namely the returning Lucha Bros, who we saw on uh, the most recent episode of TNT Dynamite, Because if you remember, before all the COVID stuff shut everything down, we were looking at a Best Friends and Orange Cassidy death triangle feud.
0: Yeah, so that could be uh, reignited even if if PAC's not able to get uh, back uh, yet. And I, I think if you were wanting to leave the belts on Omega and Page until FTR took them off of them, you were going to be waiting for a while. We're probably entering full gear territory because I'm telling you, Mm man, uh, the the Young Bucks and FTR are going to square off at at All Out. That's where that's heading because they're kind of – the way I look at it is uh, FTR is basically taking the side of the Young Bucks right now because they don't want any excuses or injuries. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to beat the crap out of Nick and Mac Jackson – we're gonna break them, and so it's kind of it's kind of a a, a weird partnership. But it's nah, dude. Y- the young bucks are ours. Leave them alone, uh, type situation. So I think that's what's building to at all out. Uh, and I think in the interim, it would be a good time to elevate the best friends with the tag straps for a little while. Even if by the time we get to the next pay per view, you have another team. Uh, like you said, uh, uh, the Lucha Bros, uh, and built a match there or the butcher, the bunny or the butcher and the blade, Can't man, the bunny anymore. Cause uh, she's hanging out with QT <laughs> for, for some weird reason. Just... <laughs> Although I guess if you're not as much of a, a Marg as me and Landon, you don't know. Uh, most people probably aren't aware that Allie, uh, is the wife of, uh, the, the blade, right? Cause the blades, the skinny dude. Yes. Um, also, why, why did why the butcher and the blade look like they're fixing to go to Sherwin Williams and buy some paint? <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stick to my guns here, man. Best friends are getting the tag. Best friends are getting uh, the the tag uh, straps uh, here.
1: All right, we finally differed on a pick, and quite frankly, I would love to be wrong here because, as I've already established, I'm a best friend stan, I believe, as the kids say. I'm still not I mean, they've, built,
0: they've built it up so much. They had the number one contenders match. Uh, they've had a couple other title matches since, which I know kind of annoyed some people because they're thinking, okay, well, if they're the number one contenders, why, are why they aren't they getting defend, the next yeah. shot? Well, they got their opportunity, and they signed it for Fighter Fest. This means you're next in line to book a title match. Is mm-hmm. all the number one contendership is, uh, and they built that up. They had they they emphasized that the number one contendership was on the line versus La Sex Gods, um, and they came out on top of that. I think they're building them up to put that they want they 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 they're building them up to have that belt on them because they want to make them look like a really strong tag team here. That's just me. Yeah, plus I'm kind of getting to the point where again as much as I love uh Kenny and Hangman, I'm almost kind of bored of them being the tag champs. Not that they're not good. Their matches are great. I love the uh, combo finisher oh, with so the good. the the V the V trigger buckshot uh, last call finisher is great, but like they've had the belt for a while. Uh, they I know how good they are. It's just kind of not interesting to me uh, anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to get bored of them being the tag champs if they have the belt for too long. Yeah, that's that's that's
1: a fair uh, comment, and you have to wonder what more they can do in the tag team division that they haven't already done. Short of uh, Facing off against FTR. And plus, it, like, Hangman and Kenny Omega are two of the best singles wrestlers in the world. So eventually they are going to have to reinsert themselves into singles title contention whether it be the TNT Championship or more likely the AEW World Heavyweight Championship because if you remember when this promotion first started Hangman Adam Page squared off against Chris Jericho for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. So they- and
0: Kenny was in that eliminator number 1 contender uh, uh, match to be able to face Hangman cuz Hangman won the Battle Royal. And then uh, Jericho beat uh, Kenny uh, to get the other slot, kind of like a de facto like playing uh, match. Exactly. So, and plus, I mean. If you've, if you've heard
1: any of the podcasts me and Rab have done, you have heard me talk longingly for the return of best bout machine Kenny Omega. Because, like, I've seen some other people say this online, and while I don't necessarily agree 100% with the statement, I do see where they're coming from. Some people have said that ever since the start of AEW, they've kind of devalued Kenny Omega. Because before AEW started, here in America, whenever Kenny Omega was on your TV, that was a must see attraction just because if you're a wrestling fan you read just about how dominant and how game-changing he was in New Japan Put it on five-star match after five-star match after five-star match I mean people still talk about his program with Okada and put it up there in the upper echelons of some of the best wrestling ever I want to see that version of Kenny Omega in AEW and now it might be hard to capture that mystique or that aura if you do see somebody on a regular weekly or bi-weekly basis, that might be hard to get that aura, but at the same time, like,
0: I would love to see them try. But At, at, the, at the at the same time, I, I think one of the things I appreciate about AEW, even though, uh, like we say, you know, Cody kind of always ends up with new shiny toys, bells and whistles. He's also just a really good storyteller, and he's one of the top guys in the promotion, so he's mm-hmm. going to get whatever tools he wants. I. I credit AEW to an extent. They, at the start, because it made sense, because those were the more established guys from the elite and everything, Jericho Omega made sense to have that to see who gets a shot at an AEW championship. Hangman winning the Battle Royal.
1: And especially with their history in New Japan, yeah.
0: Their history. Hangman winning the Battle Royal, because that's logical, uh, he what? Because he was supposed to ha- he was supposed to keep doing stuff with with, with Pack, but then it, anyway, yeah. stuff got weird. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they couldn't agree on some some bookings, so had to go in a different uh direction. But when TV kind of launched, I I kind of respect the guys in the elite. We saw the young bucks losing the first round of that tournament to establish Private Party. We saw mm-hmm. Kenny Omega not just run through everybody. Hangman doesn't run through everybody because he's in that elite stable with the EVPs they haven't diminished uh, those guys but they didn't give them a free pass to the the pay window just because of who they are Um, so I I do think it's time to build Adam and Kenny back up as some top singles guys to uh, square off uh, with Moxley or Cage or whoever the future AEW world champion is but I credit Uh, everybody in the elite for not just putting the titles on themselves right away because they're the, the EVPs of the company. Yeah, I'll definitely echo that, though. I
1: do think maybe in some instances they went a little bit too far to show everybody, hey, look, just because we hold the pencil, we're not going to push ourselves to the moon. I think they went a little bit too far in that aspect, but I totally understand why they did it. I respect why they did it, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, Rab, that wraps up all the matches Mm -hmm. announced for night one. Top to bottom, what are you looking forward to the most that we're going to get on July
0: 1st? I'm looking forward, obviously, to the uh, World Tag Team uh, title match. I'm looking forward to Jurassic Express versus MJF and Wardlow, and I'm looking forward to Private Party versus Proud and Powerful. Uh, That's nothing against uh, the TNT uh, Championship or Sheeta and uh, Penelope Ford, but if I had to just pick... A couple. I'm looking forward to the whole card. Like I am mm-hmm. jacked. Like again, I've said this is the most excited I've been for a, a, a TV uh, wrestling card. Probably going back to Clash the Champions, old WCW back in the day. Uh, but if I just had to pick a couple things, those would be the ones I'm most excited about. And I'm probably most excited for Private Party and, and Proud and Powerful because wow. uh, I think that's going to be a really uh, good match. Although, I mean, obviously the with the participants you have in that world title match you know you're going to get a good match i'm excited to see what these young cats do uh with this spotlight
1: uh i'm going to go with the aew tag team championship match that i'm looking forward to the most but like you said like we've said at the beginning of this podcast this is a stacked card top to bottom i think every match is going to be good uh I know, very profound statement. A uh, guy that hosts a wrestling podcast thinks wrestling is going to be good, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward most to that tag team matchup mainly because of the participants, and I am such a best friends mark. So, uh, yes. Rab, on the way out the door, let's give some plugs. Where can the lovely listener find you?
0: Host of Off the Bench, WCDT, uh, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to noon Central Time. Uh, go to wcdtradio.com/delition to live, also on the TuneIn app. Uh, and you can download the podcast, go in the Apple Podcast Store, which you know how to use because you're listening to Near Fall <laughs> Radio. Uh, and subscribe to WCDT Radio to keep up with what's going on with Off the Bench and follow me on Twitter at RabWill.
1: Uh, follow me on Twitter, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can get the latest from me, 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, ButtMunchips.com, though that hasn't been updated in forever, so maybe that will be cut from my plugs in the future. Uh, I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast, a podcast mainly about Walt Disney World, the news and happenings coming out of the House of the Mouse. Uh, I have a feeling there's going to be some pretty, pretty relevant news in the next couple days and weeks as Florida uh, is currently a hot spot for coronavirus and Walt Disney World is planning to open their parks starting July 11th so I have a feeling some news is going to be coming out of that and it will definitely be talked about on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. Again, search that in the iTunes store. I believe it's available on Podbean Stitcher. Uh, they got a YouTube channel so subscribe there as well. uh, I'm the producer of The Phil Show on News Talk 98.7 WOKI radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Streaming 6 to 10 a.m. worldwide at Newstalk987.com and that's 6 10 a.m eastern standard time uh so rab how about in a couple days you and i returned to the palacious butt Ship chip studios and we preview night two of aew
0: fighter fest how, how, how does that sound it's been booked the contract has been signed i'm still not sure if tony khan's gonna sanction it <laughs> but i've been told in my ear tony shivani uh can uh report that he was told by tony Khan we've been booked to do another podcast
1: all right well then that will happen after i'm gonna say thursday or friday after night one of aew fighter fest so until then for the will rab i am a landon doan we thank you for joining us on another edition of near fall radio you stay safe out there wear a mask wash your damn hands and we'll see you next time
0: Them boys are good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, I'm still whoop their ass, but they're good.